Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Somewhere between science and superstition. Sights to show you. Strange Eons. Welcome to Strange Eons Radio. That's Eric Morgan over there. Hello. That's Vanessa Williams over there. Howdy. Hi, Vanessa. We missed you. I missed you guys. It's been so long. Yeah. I'm Kelly Young. We are talking about a lot of shit, but I just found (laughs) out. That Vanessa outed me to my neighbors downstairs. It was time. They had to know who you were. They had to know your true name and say it proudly in front of you, perhaps to your face. No, you didn't knock on their door and just let them know this information. You you were coming up behind them and they were probably going, what the hell are you doing here? Because it's completely black outside. Yes. And they were like crouched in their pajamas down in the alleyway. And I'm just walking in this black coat coming down the alley looking all shifty because I'm chilly. Right, right. Yeah, so you get all hunched over and you're like, oh no, I'm making my body look huge, but I'm actually just cold right now. And yeah, I saw them and they wanted, you know, I, I was trying to put them at ease. So I said, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm here to see, to see Kelly up on the, the top floor. Who? And they were, yeah, they were like, wait, who? And I was like, no, 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 he's, you know, like up in that, in KC? that one right there. They didn't. Yeah. And then you popped your head out. So, and you were like, hey. Oh, so they saw you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's all all out now. There's no going back. They're going to call you, I hope, Kelly. At least Kelly starts with K. You've got the KC. Look, I've never had a problem with it. How do I now explain that I've let them call me a wrong name (laughs) for a year? That's your problem. I'm going to do this. When they say <laughs> Kelly, I'm going to go, I know, weird, right? She thinks my name no! is Kelly and my no! self-esteem is so low no! that I'm not going to correct her. Oh my God. And it's going to turn out that your name really is Casey. And it's been this like three year old, three year long game with me. Oh no, maybe I've been wrong. I need to look at our website. I need to check Facebook really quick. What if you changed your name on Facebook to make me feel better? That's what I would do. Wow. That's how far I would carry this. The rabbit hole I'm goes deep. <laughs> I'm highly concerned. We need to get you like a name tag or something. This cannot happen ever again. No, I'm I'm totally fine with it. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually now embarrassed that we've talked about it this long. Over four or five episodes <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> it's the saga it's it's a good it's a good um story this is the excitement that we get to make fun of our lives would it, it be, is would it be horrible if they're uh listeners to the podcast were just sitting there going what a fucking dick I, if i was like them listening i would love this story so much yes. i feel like this guy has way too much emotional baggage on what we accidentally call him Hey, Casey. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. He's Dude, just, he's just it carrying it on. Oh, God. Uh, Vanessa, yeah. we haven't spoken to you in weeks. What's uh, What's been going on? Oh, man. Um, well, I went out to uh, Savannah for Halloween, you know, right after we played our episode on Halloween. <laughs> I got on a plane 
and immediately was in Savannah. After we watched two or three films <laughs> and the films. entire run of Ray Bad- Bradbury and oh, all that. Yeah. Kind of After stuff. we did the, all that, we still had plenty of time in the witching hour for me to uh, take a five and a half hour flight over to Savannah and uh, yeah, just hung out there for a couple days. And um, I, last year I did New Orleans. So I've been trying to check out how other people kind of. Do, Live. <laughs> yeah, do Halloween and it was fun. I think New Orleans did it a little bit better, but I had a great time in Savannah in general. Not surprising. <laughs> no, oh my God. I mean, like, and I didn't go for the weekend in New Orleans where they have the big parade. Um, I had gone just on the night, which was the middle of the week, and they still, like, the entire city was, like, alive and people were spilling out and there were live bands going down the middle of the street at midnight. Yeah, it was, New Orleans is a great place to be. Savannah was fine. <laughs> I like Savannah just fine. I had a I had like a dollar fifty slice of pizza from um, I think it's from K's Pizza. No, oh. yeah, it was it was fine. Okay, yeah, I saw there the best pizza in Georgia. Lessons. It was fine. It was fine. It was fun. I've had much better. What about films though, or oh, TV, sure. or? comics oh, or no. whatever well, you like. Well, I've been doing my um like Halloween thing. So I've been watching all these films all the time. And so I've seen a bunch. So I don't <laughs> even know what to talk about. And, I have any, like 15 films I could discuss well, let's, right now. Let's, yeah, let's narrow it down do to <laughs> your top three. Okay. Well, yeah. All right. Um, What can I talk? Okay. So here's, <laughs> here's something relevant. I watched Lady in White. Oh, yeah. Seems like what you're... is wrong with you? <laughs> that film is horrifying. Yep. It is tonally so messed up. I'm sorry. Yeah, I told you when it gets dark, it goes really, really no, freaking but dark. but so dark. I don't know who that movie is for because it acts like a little like 1950s kids film. Like, do, 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 do. Spielberg beginning. Starts off Barry in Spielberg, Spielberg world. Very Spielberg. And then it's like, but sexually mis- molesting children and rape and murder and yeah. uh like little kids looking underneath their ter- teacher's skirt and it's totally like it's kind of un- you know it's not the best thing but it's not like that bad i'm like there's a little boy literally lifting up your skirt non-stop to look underneath it this is that's the only <laughs> I, it's, no Boy, it's, you should have been here for the last episode when we talked about strip nude for your killer. If you thought that one was that Did strip nude for your killer? At least it kind of tells you up front what age you should be watching it. It was a different time, Vanessa. <laughs> was it 1989, 88? Right. Well, that is a different time. That's right. Well, I would have been six. <laughs> Whatever. I could oh, check Jesus it out. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what? I'm, I'm older. Um, yeah so what what have you guys seen uh i saw a movie what movie did you see i saw the current war oh okay how was how is that i know nothing of the current war is it about raisins no it is the story of so this is a movie let me just bring you on a little trip okay i'm ready okay 1986 okay a band called tesla comes out all right great album the liner notes are all about the inventor nikola tesla who i had never heard of and it started this fascination with me that i was just like what who is this guy never heard about anything about this and so i started reading books and finding out all the stuff between uh him and edison all the um actions that were going on in what was termed the current war so this movie 
showed at film festivals two years ago. And I was like, God, I got to see this movie. It's got Tesla in it. It's got Edison. It's got Westinghouse. The reviews for it were not kind, but I thought, well, they don't quite understand this. They don't have the uh, fascination with this story that I do. Also, I found out that uh, this was purchased by the Weinstein Company. And Harvey Weinstein, besides jerking off into ficus plants on a regular basis, also had a (laughs) habit of when he would get a film, he would then re-edit the film. What? Yeah, you didn't know this lovely part of him. Oh my God, that makes him so much worse in my head. He was already (laughs) like ground zero, but now he's like six feet under. Wow, okay. F that guy. You you find that more egregious than- Not more. You must hate Blockbuster. It just keeps going down. Every time I see that little screen that pops up when you're watching a t- uh, movie on TV and says we've been we edited this for, for yeah yeah no Screw well you guys. yeah he was notorious for doing this and to you know to fit into various time things or or whatever he wanted to do so this was the version that was out there getting all of the bad reviews oh now uh, oh shit I wish I had remembered I think it's Scorsese who. Um, was the exec producer on this and in the <laughs> in the contract it said that Scorsese had um final cut on this oh. and so basically it reverted back to him and he was able to give it back to the filmmaker who was able to edit it back to the way he wanted it to be oh, wow. uh, that oh, wow. is the version that is now out in theaters it is called the current war director's cut that being said, Uh-oh. so let me just throw a couple of names out at you. Okay. Uh, it stars Benedict Cumberbund. Cumberbatch. Yes. It stars uh, <laughs> as Edison. Okay. As Edison. It oh, stars okay. Michael Shannon. Okay. As Westinghouse. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, it stars Nicholas Holt as oh, Tesla. Cute. Um, it even has Tom Holland in it. Who's the new Spider-Man, you know? So I'm just like, when the credits are coming up, because I didn't realize that it was star-studded also. Yeah. And I'm just like, fuck, yes, I cannot wait. And, okay. (laughs) Oh, no. It is. You could have waited. (laughs) Well, it's a good movie. Okay. I can't say that it's a bad movie because it's not the movie that I wanted it to be. Oh. But, But that is my disappointment in the film. It is not the movie that I wanted it to be. It is the story of Westinghouse versus Edison instead of Tesla versus Edison. Oh, okay. And so the acting is great in it. There are some odd camera angles, some odd decisions there that I didn't quite get. Uh, a lot of space above the heads of people and stuff like that. Oh, I always wonder about that. I'm like, why are you guys? I mean, this this was all book? done on purpose, but well, I don't. Why? Yeah, I don't understand. If it's on purpose, there should be a reason. Yeah, I don't get the reasoning, and it could have just been that this guy was like, "Look, I'm doing something different with this film." Yeah. But it it was jarring for me. Maybe for all those shots, they're going to add like CGI electricity over the top. Oh man! Every <laughs> single time that would have been great. Or DC, like, DC, yeah. AC, DC. Yeah. There are, um, you know, they paint Edison in a very critical light, so you do get to see that he is 
a bit of an asshole, although I guess you would see in this film that he's misunderstood instead of the prick he apparently actually was in real <laughs> life. I've only heard horrible things about yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, they have a little um, coda to the film where they, it's a powerful coda where they talk about how, okay, so his direct current was not the prevailing way we get uh, electricity now. It was Tesla and Westinghouse's alternating current. But he um he perfected and and created you know film basically right and that you know that's a powerful sure. ending since you're sitting in a theater watching this right but that is also untrue thomas edison was not the guy who did that so uh the whole thing is kind of predicated on all these lies and everything that you're kind of taught in grade school through high school about edison uh, and they just kind of carried it on. And I was oh, like, oh, that's so disappointing. Yeah. Oops. And I was like, well, dang it. I really <laughs> wanted this to be some kind of vindication for Tesla, especially with all these gigantic actors in it. And it was not. Yeah. Because like every time I think about Edison, I think about like him electrocuting the elephant. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. like and him yeah, basically <laughs> stealing copyrighted. Um, like he was just the first one to the copyright office. That seemed to be sure. his invention was being the fastest man who could get to the copyrights. Well, he had money. Right. So he was able to do this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tesla, you know, when he's coming up with all of these things, he takes money to patent something. And sometimes he just didn't have the money to do it. So... I did think yeah. it was really interesting. Uh, I was listening to a podcast with a astrophysicist on just recently, and uh, the host was saying something about how, you know, what kind of world would we have lived in if Tesla had been able to see his vision, which was free energy, you know, free mm-hmm. electricity. The reason that didn't happen is because Westinghouse had just invested a million dollars into alternating current mm-hmm. and he needed to get his money back. And Tesla yeah. was like, you know, well now free electricity for everybody. And Westinghouse kind of was like, well, that's not exactly how business works. But <laughs> this astrophysicist said that could have been the worst thing that ever happened to us if it had been allowed to happen because you're pulling all of that electricity out of the air. There's no way that radio waves would ever been able to get through the, that interference. Oh. Uh, we wouldn't have the internet or computers at least as we recognize it now, he's like, it, it could very well have halted our progress. Wow. Oh, wild. Yeah. I, so that's, that, that, I thought that was a really interesting thing because when you're a Tesla nut like I am, all of us get together and just sit there and say, what a crime that he wasn't allowed to see his vision and all right. this stuff. And uh, maybe, maybe it's best that he didn't. Yeah. So. You know, sometimes I feel like bad, not bad things, but things happen the way they should happen. Not yeah. always, but enough that it's like, oh, hey, maybe it's good that we had to struggle or maybe this horrible thing happening actually allowed us to be awake for these other things and and care enough to change things down the road. I agree. So um, if you're interested at all in this story, it's well acted and um, and it's, you know, it's a neat little movie. The thing is, you kind of have to be a Tesla nut because they just throw in all these characters and and there's like no introduction to who these people are. Uh-huh. So for me, I was like, oh, this is interesting. And oh, that guy and all that. But I imagine that if you haven't been reading all these books that you might be scratching your head on a couple of these things. Hmm. <laughs> Wild. Yeah, I'll yeah. definitely I'm definitely interested in checking it out. That sounds super fascinating. Yeah. Next. Well, let's see. I saw a little one called 
Dolomite is my name. Oh, man, oh, I want to see this. Very cool. I enjoyed the hell really? out of this I movie. I heard a lot of really good things about it. It is so much fun. And the the story of uh, Ruby Roy, Ruby Roymar or Ruby, I didn't write a lot of notes on this one because I was busy watching it. <laughs> but this is awesome. And uh, how he started off and uh, the comedy route he went and how he created who he was and just a guy who just got stunt done by pure force of will. You know, of course, with any biopic, I'm sure this isn't fully super accurate. Did Edison fuck him over too? <laughs> no. Okay. It was a little past Edison's time. But anyway, so it is, uh, Eddie Murphy is one of his best films. He is so good in this. And uh, Wesley Snipes is amazing as the director. It's just a hoot, man. It is so much fun to watch. I mentioned that to, dude, check this out. And the re- reply back, Matt had an interesting reply back. It's like, what did you think of it re- compared to Hitchcock and the uh, Ed Wood film? I forgot. Tim the, Burton? Yeah, Tim Burton's Ed Wood film. Very different. Very, very different film. Hitchcock is very, almost serious. Right. It's it's very much a highbrow look at Hitchcock. Oh, yeah. Ed Wood is also a lot more serious because it's trying to take this guy who's sort of been a joke and show him his passion for making films. Right. He may have been asking that because the same writers that did is Ed Wood. The same right? Yeah. They nailed it again then, man, because, oh, man, it is just fantastic. He's the uh, showman kind of guy of William Castle or something like that, where he just is all about the show and he and he knows nothing about filmmaking. Like he goes to get, he's got his film made or how to distribute films. He's got his film made and somebody introduces, oh yeah, my brother or something owns a theater. And the guy's like, oh yeah, you're going to, we're going to four wallet. And he's like, what, what is four walling? <laughs> well, you're going to rent it from me and hold on. I have to pay you money. <laughs> to you. Uh, it's highly recommended out on uh, Netflix. And I think it's got a small theatrical release. I don't know if that's still going on. No, it's not. Uh, it ended before it came on to Netflix. Oh, so it was only, I think but two weeks or something like that. that. Yeah, Cause I thought I didn't know it was on Netflix actually. Yeah, it's um, a Netflix original. Yeah. They, I'm guessing they gave it a theatrical release because they're hoping for oh, something better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah. It's been a damn long time since he's been this good in a film. <laughs> Yeah, so. I heard like with Eddie Murphy, it, it's weird because even in his bad films, he's still like really giving it his all. Hmm. So that's, you know, to, I'm, I'm excited to see him in a role that's like a. You know. it, I mean, it kind of makes me I, I haven't seen the Dolomite films. I know they're not great. <laughs> right. uh, even in the black exploitation realm, they're not great. Mm. But man, it looks like I want to check them out. Now, the, the end credits rolls some of the scenes. That they oh, shot cool. in the movie, then they show the actual scenes from the the films. Like, oh man, <laughs> go see that if you're at remotely interested in filmmaking, movies, and stuff like that. Really, really fun. Cool. Yeah, very cool. Well, I also managed to make it to the theater for a, a film, which uh, <laughs> I think some of you may or may not have seen. A little little movie called Terminator Dark Ficus or <laughs> Dark Ficus. <laughs> Dark. Infinity. Harvey Weinstein had nothing to do with this film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this is the Terminator movie, the new one. Yeah, what'd you think of that? I saw that. 
Yeah, you know, um, I really liked it um, while I was watching it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I was really engaged. I loved Mackenzie Davis. Um, I enjoyed the way that they brought back in Arnold, whatever, term the Terminator. Schwarzenegger? Well, no, I know his last name. I was trying to think of what his name is and as far as a character. Carl. I Well, yes. Carl. What is it? The T-800, I believe? Magical. Carl was... Cyberdyne 101. Oh, he stole the show. Carl stole the show. For sure. <laughs> I'm not saying Arnold Schwarzenegger stole the show. No. Carl. Somebody, somebody wrote that very knowingly. What do you think... What do you think is going on in Schwarzenegger's head? Do you think that he wants to make sequels to his hits or do you think that he just wants to get back into the acting business and all he's getting offered are Terminator sequels or I think that they were saying that a twin sequel is coming out now. Oh no. Um, I think he just, I think he just loves acting and he doesn't necessarily get like what roles are and what they mean and the importance of different characters. I don't think that that's ever really like gone. Like, I mean, just listening to him commentate on an, on his own pictures, I feel like is very revealing as to his own understanding of cinema as a whole. I think he just loves the process um, because he's done a ton of indie films too. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it matters as much to him what the role is. Because uh, why else would he have been in? He's been in almost every single Terminator movie, right? Like except for except the, for the uh, dark, dark Terminator, not the ficus. Dark Terminator. The other, <laughs> the other dark one, the one with Batman. Right, right, with Christian Bale. Yeah. Oh, right. Um, I just wonder because I feel like he's he's got to know at, at some point he's just like I'm too old to be playing the Terminator anymore. But then I imagine that. They just keep throwing a number at him that gets bigger and bigger until he's like, look, I'd be a fool to turn this down. Well, I don't know. I, I doubt that. Really? I think he's just jumping. He, like, he doesn't need money. He's set. Well, he doesn't need money. But at some point you go, that's an awful lot of money for I, six months worth of work. Well, here's a question <laughs> for you, actually. So since you've seen the film, um, one one criticism I had was I felt like him as well as um, Linda Hamilton could have not been in that movie and it might have been a stronger film. Yeah, that oh, is ouch. not <laughs> in that way. It's just that they felt very shoehorned in to mm. make the movie a Terminator film. But I don't think that the film needed them to tell the story they were trying to tell. I feel like they kind of propped up the Terminator name on these two people, but I, ah. it just didn't feel like they were necessary to this plot. It felt like they were, hey, for this to be a legit Terminator movie, we have to throw them in somehow. On one hand, I agree with you. On the other hand, the only thing I really, really loved in this is that we find out that she stopped Judgment Day. Right. And so Skynet didn't do all the stuff right. she was worried about and a different company then also yeah. did. And I, I don't think you can do that without having them. That's true. And That's I thought true. that was really the only fresh thing in the movie. Yeah. Um, that definitely gave a fresh, um, perspective to it. And I, I love this, um, thing that, that we've been seeing now her character in Terminator two is already like 
really grizzled. Yes. So it's not like this comes out of nowhere that she's this like crazy survivalist. But off of the back of 2018's Halloween, where we see the same thing happen with um, Jamie Lee, Jamie Lee Curtis. It's interesting because you're starting to see these old female, or these older women who had played young uh, female stars in the um, 80s and early 90s coming back. Um, well, I guess Jamie Lee would have been 78, but right. you know, like coming back and having these sort of. I've been through hell and this is, you know, this is how I turned out after all the years of hardship. So that was really fascinating to me to see this kind of the repercussions of all these films that this film has been around for long enough that we can actually come back to this character and see like her perspective from how old she is now. Yeah. I mean, I really had high hopes for this Mm -hmm. because they were in it. Right. But if I'm being honest, I liked uh, Rise of the Machines better, and I even liked Terminator Genesis better than this one. Okay, so I liked Genesis at the time because I thought it was super fun. Yeah. But um, I just thought it was super goofy, and you know, I enjoyed it enough. But so many people hated it. Yes. So much (laughs) that it kind of turned my own opinion because I was like, well, I can't be. I guess I gotta hate it too. Oh <laughs> no, never do so, that. Yeah, well, I mean, like, it, I, it was enjoyable, but honestly, a couple years later, I I really remember so little of it, other than like Doctor Who is in it magically out of nowhere. <laughs> right. We'll see, but um, <laughs> you're also going to remember very little of this one. That's the thing, so. exactly. So with this one, um, I really enjoyed it, and now it's been it's been like five days since I've seen this movie. I barely remember it. Which is not a good Rough. sign. The same yeah. thing happens to me when I watch Marvel movies. It's like, wait, what happened in Ant-Man? Which Ant-Man was it? Like, I know I saw <laughs> them both. Was he in any of the other movies? Oh, yeah, he was in like three of them. Which three? As I say, I don't have that problem with Marvel movies. Man. Oh, I freaking I totally love them. Do. They stick with me quite well. Oh, they, I, they're yeah, super I bet, though, for me. Were you a big Marvel comic book reader, though? No. Okay. okay. And you and I both were. And so yeah. we can no. follow these things because they're part of our childhood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And for me, like, I don't have that touchstone. I honestly, my touchstone is through reading these. And um, I used to get a comic bento box. So mm-hmm. right before one of the Marvel movies would come out, they would send, like, a, a volume of um, Thor or whatever. And so I would read through and be like, I don't know why any of this matters and see the movie (laughs) and be like, Oh, Oh, I get it. (laughs) Like I have one of the Spider-Man comics that come out right before, um, uh, the animated, uh, Spider-Verse, Spider-Verse. Yeah. And it has like all those stories. And I didn't at the time I was like, I don't know why I'm reading like six different versions of (laughs) Spider-Man. This is awfully strange. I was like, this is, makes no sense, and none of the story is finished, and I don't know why they're going through this. And then um, later I saw the movie, and I was like, oh, I know who these people are. Oh, my God, it's all coming together for me now. <laughs> so um, that could definitely be a big part of it. I just I, yeah. I don't have that connective tissue with any of these characters. I'm, I'm not a big superhero comic reader. I'm much more into the, the indie stuff. Right. Sure. Right. A lot of good stuff there. Oh, my gosh, so much. So much good stuff. It's impossible. I've I on my trip to Savannah, I picked up like another ten comic books. I only managed to read four of them. So you know. and a Star Trek glass. Oh my god! <laughs> I have one of four. I thought it was from Insurrection, and <laughs> I got. Oh god, I took a picture and I sent it to a friend, and he was like, "You're really into Eric Bana, aren't you?" And I was like, 
what are you talking about? And then I was like, oh my God, this isn't Tom Hardy. <laughs> I didn't look very closely. I was like, it's my Tom Hardy ridiculous Romulan glass. No, it's my no. Eric Bana ridiculous <laughs> Romulan glass. Boy. It's still a good glass. I have no regrets. It was $3. It was what? Three dollars. Oh, I thought you said thirty dollars. Like, <laughs> no. Whoa. I, no, no. Maybe I should sell the ones I have. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can get a shiny five bucks on eBay for <laughs> all right. four. Do we need to uh, take a break, or are we? I got one more weird one sure. to talk about. Yeah. That, uh, popped up in the looking at the WTF movies, and this is just too awful of a film to have Ooh. made it, but it's highly entertaining in its own way. Mm-hmm. Astro Zombies from 1968. What? <laughs> I have not heard of this Floating one. Zombies. Yet again, no reviews from critics, but an 18 <laughs> from the audience. Uh, it said it had an estimated budget of $37,000. I'm always kind of wondered where IMDb comes up with these estimated I budgets. I know, too. I don't think they're real. <laughs> no. I think we're being lied to. Directed by David B. Michaels, who directed four more Astro Zombies, the last one in 2012. What? Oh, there have wow. been five Astro Zombie yes. movies? You, you might know him better from uh, The Corpse Grinders. Okay. Or Blood Orgy of the She-Devils. I've heard of it. No, yeah. I know. No, you're... Oh, it's a terrible film. <laughs> I'm sure. That's probably why I haven't seen them. It it's, it's, uh, opens with a horrible, brutal killing of a lady as she gets out of her car. And it's this strange in space. luchador skeleton insect alien mask with a human mouth comes out and kills her. Go on. He's a zombie or a bug? <laughs> I know. <laughs> you watched the movie. Why did you pick a vampire motorcycle over this? Oh, because it gets so boring, man. Oh. Oh. The opening credits, though, are freaking amazing. It's uh, this little battle between toy robots, like picture like 1960s, 1950s era toy robots battling little toy tanks. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm watching this going, okay, this came out a year before The Wild Bunch. I think Sam Peckinpah watched this movie and go, I'm going to do this with ants and scorpion. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it just like reminded me of that for some weird reason. Interesting. I mean, there's scintillating moments like a man is sitting in a car and he's got a reel to reel tape and you send at least, at least 30, 45 seconds to a minute or two of him sitting in the back street, rewinding the tape. Hmm. That's all he's doing. There's, <laughs> there's no talk. No, there's not even that sound. It's oh. just rewinding the tape. Like what the hell's going on here? They actually made that sound when you rewound them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, real to real can do that. I missed a whole exciting time on Earth's on Earth's surface. I'm kind of bummed. But he meets with this, you know, crazy looking Krupa swinging cats and oh, sells yeah. them the the tape that was about this evil, weird guy who's making the Astro Zombies in sort of a Frankenstein kind of manner. Wait, okay, so they're blood, they're people eating bugs that are Frankenstein. No. Oh. <laughs> it's dead people that he's trying to bring back in controlling zombies. I'm not sure why they're called Astro. Probably because in 1968 and everything had to do with they're not astronauts. In space? Yeah, we're, we're in the no, space race. No, what? there's no space. There's nothing. I'm already space, disappointed. Like, I I want to leave right now. There's no space in something called Astro zombies. No, they look like space zombies. You go sorties. out and you remake this movie right now, that filmmakers. Is, it's a pretty great title. It's such a yeah. good title. I mean, four of them were made. I, I am sure, uh, like Derek, probably loves this film. Uh-huh. It's right up his alley because it's got a lot of entertaining, weird stuff. But there's just weird shit. That we're going to capture the Astro Zombies. Scientist lady, sit over in this corner and we're going to be outside watching and you observe. 
do what you normally do. So they set her up on this giant, huge stool, and she bends like half over, look into a microscope, and all this. Oh. I was like, that looks horribly uncomfortable. I don't think your back's going to like that if you continue to do that. <laughs> Not the way you but microscope. It, it's this big, intense scene where it goes from a shot of her looking in a microscope to a shot of, you remember that Invisible Man model? Yeah. They had one of those in there. And a shot of that and a shot of the blinds and a shot of the guys out there for scenes and nothing happens. Eventually goes, the doorknob thinks she goes, ah, and the, the detective opens the door going, well, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> what the hell am I watching? Yeah. If you're into that kind of stock schlock, it's uh it's well worth watching. If you like hold the remote control in your hand so you can go fast forward. <laughs> fast forwarding the TV doesn't work that way, Vanessa. <laughs> Just want you to know that. Oh, I was going to try. I'm all ready for pizza if you are. I'm just so mad that there's no space. I would have fast forwarded until I saw the space and then would have been in the credits. In credits, yeah. And then like, are the credits in space? Where are the zombies in space? Hey, three sequels. I'll bet you one of them has some space. If one of them is not in space, I'm writing a letter. I'm handwriting a letter with a stamp and everything. It's going to somebody. I don't know who yet. I'm sending it to 1968. <laughs> Someone's going to be alive who is somehow a part of this movie and they're getting an angry letter from me. Maybe you time travel that letter back and that's the letter that actually kicks the NASA into gear and they're like, look, we got to get on the moon next year. Vanessa we, wants space zombies. We right. got to find some. we're going to have zombies in space, which the people desperately want, we got to make this happen sooner rather than later. Kennedy would say you. Oh, boy. So, shall we <laughs> take a moment to recover from the Astro Zombies? I just love her timeline that in 68 she's talking to Kennedy about this. <laughs> hey, if I send a letter back, that might be the case. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Let's take a little break. <laughs> yes, please. Gather yes. our wits about us and come back and talk uh, pizza. Pizza, pizza. Caesar, you're introducing delivery. You've got to tell the world. Delivery, delivery. Pizza, pizza. Delivery. Pizza. Delivery. Pizza. D, D, P, P. Pizza, pizza. I used to think he was cute, but now he's starting to bug me. And we're back. Hey, Vanessa, why don't you explain to the listeners what the fuck this topic is and and why it would be this topic? Well, it's this topic because you gave me the idea. So this is your own fault. (laughs) I gave you the idea. You said it. It was a joke. And I just, oh, it was a joke? But it was such a good idea. So you are a pizza fiend. I am um, kind of. I have become associated with pizza in my life. Yes. Uh, I am Vanessa, but sometimes someone who looks very much like me is a (laughs) character called She's Pizza who shows up at conventions dressed up as a slice of pizza and then has people give her pizza that she eats in front of them. And lots of high fives are had by many. Wow. Yeah. Pizza has met many famous people like Tony Todd. Uh Pizza met Lance Henriksen. I mean, you guys have already met him because they were both at CryptoCon. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> um, so you were there. Um, has met uh, William Shatner and oh, Harry King nice. as well. Nice. Yeah, so it, pizza gets around. Pizza, pizza I have a suggestion, people. Kelly. Whiskey Man <gasps> or Scotch Man. Yes. Look, 
I don't have to dress up like Scotch <laughs> to be called Scotch Man. <laughs> you just show up with that little suitcase of Scotch. I know. That is pretty fucking cool, is, isn't it? It is cool. really yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I wish I liked Scotch because like, the first time we were on a panel together and you brought that out, I tried. I tried really hard because I, I was know. like, this moment is so good. You were, you were <laughs> sipping on that it Scotch. So Everybody bad. else was like downing it and asking for seconds. And I was like, you've wasted this fine Scotch on me, sir. Do you have I any did. pizza on you? I didn't waste <laughs> yeah. it. I didn't yeah. waste it because... I then drank it after the panel was done. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Uh, I'm also glad I have no like mouth diseases that I could have possibly given you. Oh, oh, wow. would have, Scotch would have killed him. So now you know. I am also glad of that. Right? You didn't think about it at the time, did you? Did you? I did, I you did just not. went for it straight for the Scotch. I actually, actually just give people the benefit of the doubt. And I, I'm, the I'm, mouth never, diseases? I'm never like, I wonder if this person has mouth diseases. You should think about it more. Hmm. We're in a strange time. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, so pizza. Anyway, pizza. <laughs> so um, that aside, uh, in various other parts of my life, I'm very heavily associated with pizza. I love pizza. I get pizza pretty much everywhere I go. It's just a great unifier of humanity. I, I, everybody <laughs> likes pizza. I've not met somebody who's like, you know what? Screw you, pizza. This is awful. And my life has been made worse by your existence. That has never happened. Before we get to this topic, I should have you know that the absolute best pizza in Everett is one half block that direction. It's, it's called Amantes, and it's amazing. So I one of these days, one of these days, I'll order it. And fuck you, I like the Brooklyn pizza. One of these days, I'll order it, and uh, and I'll bring it up here, and oh, we can so all sorry. munch Amante on some pizza. Amante is quite good. What's what's no your guys' favorite uh, Seattle pizza? Like downtown or anywhere in the the main Seattle area? There's there's one place in Belltown that is. Is it really, Rocco's? Yeah, <gasps> yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Rocco's is my top. <laughs> okay. Rocco's is up there. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. I, I I really like Brooklyn pizza. I mean, I love that I New York style. They're they're all from New York. Floppy pizza, in. angry people serving you. There's some New exactly. York pizza place up on <laughs> Capitol Hill that's pretty good too. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but yeah, basically pizza is amazing. And yes. as this conversation has proven, it is something we can all share. Yes. And so when Kelly suggested no. that we look at I films suggest. that perhaps <laughs> I might choose a film in which uh, we discuss pizza. I couldn't say no. This was perfect. This is exactly what we should. We should just do every week about pizza, <laughs> pizza and films. I'm I'm starting a new podcast, guys. <laughs> We're gonna have to spend an extra two hours together oh God. regularly. Oh this, this be a short-lived podcast. How many episodes you guys get? We have about five. <laughs> so we ran out of so pizza so what we decided was. Uh, Pizza scenes in in horror films. In so horror, horror films, films so. that have like a, a very heavy, heavily influenced pizza scene okay. of some kinds. So it doesn't have to be a film about pizza, which right. you know it can be a film specifically about pizza. But if it has a scene that really showcases pizza, then well, this is your topic, so you have That's to right. go first. Oh yeah, okay. So I'll jump right in. For me, it was like a kind of easy pick. Uh, because I've seen many films, many horror films that feature pizza. They just seem to fall before my feet. Um, so I chose, oh. right? and from above cometh the cheese, followed by thy crust and, and your holy sauces. Um, wow. I can, I can this be This is a completely pizza different podcast now. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. So I, I chose... House 4. 
Roger Cobb has returned to his father's house. If you're making a big mistake. He promised he would live here. There are many memories of the past still sleeping in this house. I'm tired of that house. He never knew he would die here. interesting film as you might suspect there is also a house one two and three so house four is in long lineage i've, I've seen the first two okay you have all right good so you know where i'm coming from so um house one was really interesting there was like a lot of really cool uh special effects a lot of great like puppetry and different kind of builds it's a very odd film it's basically a, a man dealing with ptsd concerning vietnam mm-hmm. um so it's a very heavy film he loses his son into this other world part of his house and he goes down and tries to get him back but he has to face his own demons while he's doing it as well as many other demons the second one is super goofy it's like two <laughs> different dudes right like it's not any of the first yeah, ones no relation to new yeah new house scenario house seems to have that whole we're pinning everything together by the title of house right it's movies that take place in houses <laughs> the first one one was like you said it's it's oddly serious yeah. and the second one is definitely a comedy it's definitely a comedy like you have um norm from cheers there as like this adventurer slash electrician i felt like that was a nod to the first one because cliff from cheers oh was in the first one. Oh my god you're so right i never put that together and that makes complete sense um the second one it's super goofy it's super fun um you've got <laughs> <laughs> oh no 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 wow. it's fine don't you worry we're getting there eric's impatient it's fine so house two like is a very different film it, it's got two guys going on a fun adventure house three is not a house film it's just lance henrickson in some kind of police procedural like, that they threw house three on the front of like halloween three they're like you know i like what they did with halloween three let's do house three and just totally it was change just it it's up. a completely different beast so house four returns kind of to the house two level of seriousness it's um okay the reason i i'm a little confused house four because in house one you have the main guy is named roger cobb and he's like their post-disaster I think his son and his wife are lost or something. There's anyway, there's something that's happened and his family is no longer family and whatever. He's sad. House four also stars Roger Cobb, but not the same Roger Cobb in a house. That's not the same house that all the previous houses were like in neighborhoods. This one's in the middle of a desert 
for no reason. <laughs> He's there with um, his loving wife and young daughter. Um, they're, they just inherited this place and they're visiting this strange house out in the middle of nowhere for no apparent reason. And his um, brother-in-law, or sorry, his stepbrother is fighting with him as to whether or not to keep the house. He just loves the house so much and he promised that he'd hold on to it. So he's like, ha ha, brother, there's no way I'll give this crazy house up for whatever reason. So, but it's Roger Cobb, but it's not the same Roger Cobb. So weird. So he's got a new, unless that Roger Cobb moved on swiftly and found a new family, restarted and still kept his youth. Different actor, just same character. Same actor. Same actor. Same actor, same character. So uh, same actor as the first film, William Cat. Yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, that's why I was sat here on my phone for 10 minutes trying to work this out. I was like, wait, is it the same character or isn't it? Uh, that brings us into some of the, the great talent that we have behind this movie, which I would cover. William Cat uh, plays Roger Cobb, who is um, kind of the star, but then very quickly not. Um, they kill him <laughs> off pretty fast, guys. Oh, okay. yeah. Sorry. Like in the first like five minutes. So that's not a surprise for anybody. Um, he's pretty much like instantly murdered. Um, you guys might remember him <laughs> as Tommy and Carrie or Man from Earth. He also um, starred in Greatest American Hero, which is I had to look up the plot of. A teacher is asked to be a superhero oh, using. We know greatest. <laughs> We're pretty fucking big fans of the greatest American hero. Oh yeah. I, this sounds amazing. So a teacher is asked to be a superhero using a special alien suit with powers he can barely understand or control. This is the best show ever. Believe it or when not, I'm, I'm walking, walking on air. Never thought I could be so free. Is this the theme song? Yes. yes. Or are you guys just really amazing into this song? theme song? Wow. Amazing theme song. That's like, also, did you know William Cat auditioned to be Luke Skywalker alongside Kurt Russell, who auditioned to be for uh, Han Solo? Yep. Oh, well, fine. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> you know what? On, you I guys a, already know that. I'm a Star Wars nerd. Yeah. I, no, I'm a Star Trek nerd. I can't censor people. All right. <laughs> you're like a different lineage than me. I can't tell if you're Star Wars right. in or not. It's a good point. Um, it was directed by Louis Arbanathy, who was the writer for Deep Star Six, uh, Terminal Invasion, and also did some acting on Titanic. And that's it. Uh, there were like five writers. Uh, Joff. Miller, Jeff Miller, who did Deep Star Six, and that's it. Deidre Higgins, who only did this. Jim Worsley, who has been a working director on 103 TV films. I think they just threw his name on there <laughs> to get some street cred. He did such greats as Camel Spiders, oh, Fire yeah. from Below, Final Voyage, and The Lost Empire. The composer, you guys would know, um, Harry Manfredini. Yes, sure. Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. 174 other projects. <laughs> so I'm not going to list them. Good, good composers get a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. I can't. I was like, oh, this must be the same guy who did Halloween Tree because he had like 170 something credits. Nope. Different <laughs> famous guy who did a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, and the, the true star, though, is... Um, uh, Terry Trius, Trius, who plays Kelly Cobb. Uh, Alien Nation. That's right. Alien Nation as Kathy. She was also, as IMDb tells me, <laughs> a fan dancer in All That Jazz. And did the Seven Brides for Seven Brothers TV show, of which I did not know existed. Yeah. No, I didn't know that either. And uh, the other poster that was next to her name was Deathstalker and Warriors from Hell. 
Any takers? Mm-hmm. Any takers? All, all that jazz is a hell of a movie. Yeah. I mean, I actually haven't seen all that jazz because I'm great. a horrible. I just posted being. the opening scene on my Facebook. I think like two or three days ago. It's I love that film. Ooh. It's really good. I, I've got it. I'm adding it. We're out of Halloweeny <laughs> time, so. <laughs> It's a musical episode. You guys can't see this, but Eric just did a little shimmy, and it was amazing. So good. Um, So this movie is 1992, 94 (laughs) minutes long. Um, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a whopping audience 16%. Yeah. A little rough, a little rough, but I will say, like, it's a super fun film. Um, the, The premise of which is wife and husband inherit this house. Uh, husband is died is killed horrifically immediately like car rolls over explodes um she pulls her daughter to safety who is now crippled by the way um and then the husband is laying there trapped in the car gas pouring all over him he yells her name car explodes Cut to hospital. He's covered in bandages, like barely a human being anymore. She has to sign the papers to turn his life support off. You're like, just murder him. This is unreal. What a happy, light story to start the show out It's an oddly toned (laughs) piece. I will say it feels very schizophrenic for sure. Like, it's really tough to keep up with. Overall, it's mostly a comedy. It feels almost like... um, the Mario Brothers movie at times. <laughs> like, it's just really weird. And you're not, and it's kind of gross and surreal, but you can't stop watching. So maybe it's not like the Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> Good um, point. So once her husband dies, she decides to move her wheelchair bound daughter into an old Victorian house in the desert that has stairs. You're right, I, this is a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> she her her daughter's also in the wheelchair that appears to be from the eighteen nineties. It's course. like wooden and crickety. I'm it's like the, it's a wheelchair from the changeling. There it you is. Go, yes. It is the wheelchair from the changeling. I'm like, this is a changeling nod. They never show her having to like crawl up the stairs and down, but she's constantly either upstairs or downstairs. And you're like, the mom can barely like carry her to the bed. I'm like, how is she getting around? <laughs> This is magical. Um, the mom starts to see really odd things in the house. Meanwhile, there's a lot of financial pressure pressures. She isn't able to afford to fix it. They move into this house. It doesn't even have running water and the electricity doesn't seem to work. I'm like, this was, you're a terrible mother. You've made horrible decisions. Your daughter is scarred and like emotionally and physically from this wreck. And you've moved her into the middle of the desert in this house that doesn't work and is kind of haunted it's haunted by the spirit of the husband who's trapped there because the native american told her so uh thank you uh ezra the native american played by ned romero good good stuff he played (laughs) by the way a different native american uh, in next generation in the original star trek and in voyager three (laughs) different native americans good job Um, and uh, the the crowning point of this entire film, though, of course, is although you have all these kinds of odd things that start happening in the house, like um, uh, some guys try to break in because they're trying to get the, the stepbrother still really wants the house so he can sell it to this mobster so they can put toxic wake- waste underneath it. Spoiler alert. So there he sends goons in. <laughs> he sends goons in to like intimidate them. Oh, the mob and its toxic waste connections. <laughs> That's for like a marketing 
Mario Brothers. It's a it. cliche for a reason, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it is the weirdest film. So like her lamp, like the daughter's lamp that's just like a dog head with a little like thing on top of it comes alive and chases them, but it's a live dog with like a little lamp on the top of its head and it runs right. It gets really weird. So as all these strange things are happening, you get this amazing pizza delivery scene. Here we go. Here yes. we go. We're in it. So um, the daughter orders pizza because the mom is starving them to death and has forgotten to feed her daughter. So she orders pizza. A guy shows up and gives the best pizza delivery moment of all time. He comes in and he sings and dances um, a little song called uh, I'm the Pizza Man. <laughs> I really hope you find this clip and play this song. I'm your pizza man, I'm your pizza man, and I'm delivering your favorite pizza pie. I'm your pizza man, I'm your pizza man, and I am everybody's favorite takeout guy. You never have to worry that your pizza will be cold, cause I keep it heated up on my engine's manifold. <laughs> so the next time you are hungry for a pizza in a pan, <laughs> don't forget to call your favorite pizza man. <sighs> Twelve fifty, please. Why it don't, is so good. Why don't you sing this for us right now? It, I'm not a good singer, but I'm the pizza man. I'm the pizza man. Something, something, something. I'm the pizza man. Nice. It's so good. Excellent. It's amazing. And then, um, so uh, they get the pizza ready. The daughter's like getting cutlery or whatever. And um, the the mom opens up the box and it's a guy's face. <laughs> and he's just like... Hello, how's it going, lady? And she shuts it, and she then points it to her daughter, and she's like, what do you see? She opens the lid, and her daughter's like, ew, anchovies. <laughs> <laughs> the mom is like, okay, and starts cutting. She opens it up and starts cutting it, but then it becomes a face again. So then she starts, like, she closes the box and starts stabbing it all over the face, and then she puts it in the gar- garbage disposal, which apparently does work, even though the water doesn't. And she turns it on, and then the pizza fights back, and it grabs her hand, and it tries to pull her into the garbage disposal to disposal her, I guess, in revenge. <laughs> and it, you know, and it's that classic moment of like, is she gonna get like cut up in the garbage disposal? But she wins, and then of course um, she turns towards the daughter, and uh, she's covered in sauce, and she's like. You don't want anchovies. Well, there's no. I took care of it. We're not having pizza, and they have macaroni and cheese instead. Um, but the best part I need to tell you guys mac about and cheese this goblins is that the pizza is played by Kane Hodder. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I didn't know this till I was looking up the uh, cast and crew later. I was like, this is beautiful. The rest of the film really doesn't matter. You really don't need to know. They they figure stuff out. There's more <laughs> spookiness that may or may not be ghosts or Native Americans or the angry husband or the happy husband or who knows. Um, it gets weirder and weirder <laughs> and weirder. At some point, the husband turns into a star and jumps up into the sky. It's a beautiful, touching moment. Uh <laughs> I have so many notes. There's a spit scene that if you guys come across, please skip through. It's disgusting. You do not want to watch it. Um, But overall, it's just a really fun, like the house films are ridiculously good fun. Um, I would 100% recommend them if you get a chance to uh, check them out. Not just for the pizza scene in four. Work your way up there. But it's a treat once once you 
bridge that. that. Sounds... I still have no idea why they live in that house or why they care that it's there. I'm a little. I had to rewind several times during the Native American speech to understand what was special about the house because, like, it made no sense what he was saying. He was like, "Your husband's trapped between places, but it's because." The family married this person, and that person had a special holy spring underneath. And so the toxic waste that, okay, the holy spring is all green and glowy, but it's not from the toxic waste that they want to put under there, but they want to put, anyway, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's a fun film. <laughs> I kind of wish you had gone last, because I can't imagine any other pizza scene is going to be as strong as yeah, that one. No, that's you know, definitely a, It's up there. A it's up there. I, I picked it for a reason. I knew... I knew what um, high level pizza knowledge, man. Man, it's pretty sweet. So I, I would love to know what your guys' picks were. Mine has a whole lot of pizza. Ooh, it's actually called pizza. Your order will be there in forty five minutes. Michael. பாத்துருக்கேன் <laughs> Your moment is waiting. India film. Like, okay. Is there singing? Sadly, no. No, but I mean, it's, it's not a film. it's not a true Bollywood oh. kind of film. At least the cliched concept of Bollywood films. The entertainment for the evening begins now. It's directed by. <laughs> Akshay Akinai. <laughs> this is the only film he's directed. We're so sorry. The only thing else he's directed is a uh, short film uh, starring Akshay Aberio. Sure, why not? Man, I'm just. It's like I have like it's like I have name name dyslexia or some shit like that. Let's see. Rajesh Shamar. Hey, that actually seems good. accurate. Yeah, that, that's enough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Those are the, the three what main What did language ever do to you, man? Right up the butt, man. <laughs> that's where language hits me. Anyway, so this is actually a remake of a more successful 22 film that was shot also in pizza? 2012 film, I mean. No, it's pizza. It's a, a remake. Oh, pizza the remake. Uh, something I didn't realize that happens in India, there's... You know, India is hugely densely packed country, and there's two major uh, languages. The original was shot in Tamil, and the remake is in Hindi. The unfortunately, the original is really not available in any English. I was able to find it in YouTube in its original language, but I don't speak that language. But it you does barely look, speak English. <laughs> no shit. It does look darker, and looks it looks like it's pretty good. But uh, the remake actually is a lot of fun. Phenomenal animated opening credits, which are just a hoot. Uh, After that, it moves in kind of a slow start. It's as in a lot of India films, it is kind of long. He's got the nice little young couple enjoying their lives. 
with the cliche filmmaker posters put on the wall of his favorite film. <laughs> the guy acts like a jerk when he finds out she's pregnant, and then the next day he's apologizing and things seem to be working out. Eh, whatever. So much drama. He, uh, the pizza comes in because he works at a pizza place. Oh. So he's, um, but this is a unique pizza place. The guy who runs the pizza place is somehow connected to the mob. Uh-oh. So he gives him this box of candy to, deli- to deliver to his wife. It's like, well, I don't have a pizza. That doesn't matter. You take that to my wife. Whatever. And he goes there, and she seems to be going through some kind of weird exorcism. What? Not entirely certain what that scene is about, because it's really never explained and barely revisited. What? <laughs> so- Does the candy get involved in the exorcism in any way? Well, you find out later about the candy. Oh, More okay. importantly, when does the toxic waste part come in? No toxic waste in this one. Oh. But you did say mobsters, right? Yes. yes. Okay. Different, different formula. All right. <laughs> I, right. I can roll with it. So he's got to take, the next day he's got to take a pizza to a couple of different places. And he goes into this one place and with his, with his pizza delivery, the lady starts screaming. <laughs> Why is this lady screaming? So he starts of course, being what you are in a horror film, he starts investigating the house to find out why the lady started screaming after he delivered the pizza. And he goes upstairs and she's like crucified on the wall. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, all right. That is a bad pizza. <laughs> it's got dark all of a sudden. He tries to run out of the house and he's locked inside the house. He can't get out. He can't break windows. He's, he is trapped there overnight. But hey, he does have a pizza. Ooh. But it's missing a piece. <gasps> Who took that piece? Should eat the rest because maybe she ate it and became exercised. Or- <laughs> no, no, he finds this a trail of pizza crust with along with a blood trail that goes with the pizza crust. He follows that, and there's a creepy kid haunt now going on where the kid is haunting and scaring the crap out of him. After that, stuff really starts to get nuts. What? Wait, so did the haunted ghost kid eat the pizza? Is that what happened? Who knows? Oh, okay. It's like left as a cliffhanger. That's right. And while he's been gone in this house overnight, apparently his wife has gone missing. Okay. <laughs> Got it. And his wife isn't the person with the candy. No. Or she is. That's the other that's guy's the, wife. That's the, that's the mob guy's wife, the okay. guy who runs the pizza place. All right. I just want to keep the story straight. <laughs> so the next day he's gone and... Buddies are trying to find out what's going on, so they take some more pizza to this place. But across the street, some random guy in a food court or food cart or something like that, and they ask him, "Well, no, no, this is a haunted house. You shouldn't bring pizza to this house. Uh-oh. It's cursed, and anyone who enters it has very bad luck." He goes back. They they leave and go back, and the uh, boss gives him another box of chocolates to deliver to his wife. But in this one, you find out it's got a diamond. There's a large cache of uncut diamonds in this box of chocolates. So the boss is trying to figure out why the man never delivered it to his wife. It's like, well, he was stuck in the house with the pizza place I delivered. Because <laughs> <laughs> of the little boy ghost who's really into crust. I am so confused right now. It is a very wonderfully confusing film. What a film. weird mashup of <laughs> events and or tonally different film concepts. Well, the boss and the other two guys then decide they've got to go back to the house and find, you know. The box, the of, box of chocolates, chocolates that the guy left behind. Please say they find the pizza slice. Somewhere. Because they find just before they decide they have to go back, some car pulls up with loaded with a guy, bunch of guys saying, if you don't pay us, we're going to burn down your entire business tomorrow. And so these guys go back to the haunted house and find it is haunted. What is going on? Who knows? And that's where I'm going to leave it. Why? Because actually this, okay, I'm watching most of them is going, this is kind of amusing and a lot of fun. But it has a wonderful wrap-up of the story of what's actually going on. 
is really interesting. And by the end, I'm going, oh, okay. Part of the way through, I'm saying, oh, maybe I'll find another movie about pizza, yeah. even though there's pizza all over this film. Kind of weird looking pizza, though. Doesn't look very good. Not every nation has perfected pizza. The ending and the way they wrap it all up is really interesting and really fun. And I really hope the original version comes out and one I could see because I do want to see that version as well. So pizza, it's in India and it's good. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I don't, I'm so like emotionally on a cliffhanger right now. I'm like, okay, wait. So there's a little boy ghost who's really into the one slice and he's like gnawing on it under the bed and being creepy. And there's diamonds somewhere in a candy box. And there's mobsters (laughs) and other mobsters who want to blow up the first mob. Yeah. And there's two wives. Okay. Anyway, I'm, yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) I'm interested. I would like to know more. I will probably watch this while having ordered pizza. (laughs) That would be good. That would be good. That's the only way to go. Kelly, okay, see, well, now that we've done the WTF pizza movie, what do you have for us? <laughs> well, because I didn't just type in pizza horror and take the first thing that popped up. <laughs> You're like, yeah, dang it. Right. Eric already beat me to the punch. <laughs> uh, no, I went on to IMDb and I typed into my keywords, pizza. <laughs> and there were you took tw- the fourth movie. <laughs> 2,512 movies. See, I told you it was an easy easy way to go. I flipped through about 400 of these and then said, I mean, there were a couple that looked kind of interesting, like zombie pizza, Ooh. but I hate zombies. Okay. But I did think that the premise of a, uh, a guy who has kept his pizza delivery service available after the zombie apocalypse sounded fun. That sounds fun. But I couldn't find the movie anywhere. Oh. So what I ended up choosing is a television movie from 2002 called Rose Red. Houses are alive. If we're quiet, if we listen, we can hear houses breathe. We say haunted, but we mean the house has gone insane. Imagination of Stephen King comes a disturbing new epic tale. You wanted this place to wake up. I'd say you've been successful. If some houses are born bad. Annie, what is it? I insist you stay a little longer. This one. We shouldn't be here. It's beating off. It was created. It's stuck again. She means to have her proof, even if someone has to die for her to get it. In hell. Rose Red. Do you remember Rose Red? I remember seeing the trailers and being so afraid of watching it because I was not in horror at that point in my life that I <laughs> refused. I every time I accidentally skimmed across it because it was on for like a couple days, a couple of like, nights, yeah, yeah, miniseries, yeah. Like I went away. You should have been crazy. afraid of it because of how shitty the movie is. Oh, <laughs> but it does have a good pizza delivery scene. Ooh. Let me just uh, tell you. What day of the four days it was on did that happen? It was only on three days, Smarty Pants. Sorry. sorry. And it was was day two. (laughs) Got it. Uh, It had a budget of anywhere from three million, which is what it was supposed to have, to the rumored 35 million it cost when it was finished. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> Whoops. That's a cost overrun. Yeah. <laughs> was this with ABC? or? Like- yes, it was ABC. Oh, my uh, No box office because it was a TV movie. The Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. I want you guys to consider this for a minute. Okay. The critics gave this a 45%. The audience gave it an 81%. Wow. Now, let me just take you back in time to Toby Hooper's classic Salem's Lot ah, TV. That's a good one. Uh, the critics, 89%. Mm-hmm. The audience, 65%. Okay. <laughs> so, so almost 20% more in the audience for Rose Red, which is a shit movie, <laughs> and Salem's Lot, which still holds up and has some amazing creeps yeah, in it. Is it just because more people saw Rose Red? Or well, it's probably because more people, I guess, might have reviewed it uh, as the audience. Well, yeah. Okay. That but also sense. because people are stupid. Yeah, it, I have to admit, I do not look <laughs> at um, Rotten Tomatoes for any information no, no, before no. seeing you, a film. You shouldn't. Oh, no. This was directed by Craig R. Baxley. Now, Craig has directed such classics as Action Jackson. Oh, okay. Uh, Storm of the Century, which was a halfway decent Stephen King television event. Several episodes of Kingdom Hospital, which was Stephen King's mm-hmm. adaptation of the uh, of the was it British or French? It's, the Kingdom, um, Dutch, Swedish? isn't it? Yeah, oh, that you're right. Yeah, it was Dutch. Uh, this was written for the screen by Stephen King. I will get back to that in a moment. It stars <laughs> Nancy Travis, who I remember most from So I Married an Axe Murderer. Uh, she has also done a ton of television. She's a musician, uh, all sorts of stuff. Uh, Julian Sands, who played Warlock in the movies Warlock, nice. and uh, a bunch of other things. I always thought back then he would have made a perfect Lestat. Oh, um, David Dukes, who was also in a ton of television. He was in Gods and Monsters. Melanie Linsky, who... Oh, yeah ton of television uh she was just recently on the castle rock season one i remember her most from heavenly creatures and a really creepy episode of the shield that uh plays a abused wife who we find out was into the abuse oh yeah do you remember oh yeah Yeah. i know that episode that sounds amazing yeah uh, also stars Jimmy Simpson, who has recently popped up on that first season of Westworld that was so good. Kimberly J. Brown, who was in the Halloween movies, and you'll remember er- her, Eric, as the tomboy in Big Bad Wolf. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so Nancy Travis, yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it star-studded. Sounds good. Nancy Travis plays an eccentric parapsychologist from this university that has rounded up a group of psychic mediums to visit Rose Red, which is the most haunted house in America. It's set in Seattle. Now it's even scarier. Yeah. She she has also brought along a teenage autistic savant with telekinesis to kind of act as a battery to wake up the house. So if this sounds vaguely familiar – it's basically the premise of The Haunting of Hill House. And uh, it's basically the premise of Richard Matheson's Hell House. Interestingly hmm. enough, Stephen King wrote this originally as a feature and then pitched it to Steven Spielberg as a remake of Robert Wise's The Haunting, which is an adaptation of Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House. It's not very close to her story, but it's close enough and King loves that story for some reason. Rather than adapting that story, he <laughs> wanted to remake 
Robert Wise's film version of it. That's weird. <laughs> Spielberg was into it for a while, and then Spielberg dropped out. When he dropped out, King decided that he didn't want to work with the new guys. Uh, interestingly, Spielberg produced the remake of The Haunting. Oh. Which was, oh, ouch. Yeah, a turd. <laughs> King made the deal to uh, turn this into a TV3 night event and then was promptly hit by a truck and oh. almost died and spent his recovery time writing this script. Oh, wow. He oh. has said that that he loves this project and that it got him through the recovery. We also know that um, a lot of drugs got him through yeah. that recovery because <laughs> he got hooked on the painkillers there. But he has said that um, he felt like this was a freeing writing experience because he was able to go so deep into these characters, which if you're familiar with King's books, he does very well. Uh, to lesser effect on his film stuff, unfortunately. The pizza scene. Well, let me just set this for you because... Ooh, okay. All right. I'm ready. It's dough and cheese. <laughs> Nancy Travis has brought this group of psychics to this house. And this house is so famous that they all know everything about it. And she set up the introduction of this house with sl a slideshow that talks about the history of it and all this stuff. And then they, they all drive there and... Uh, they open the door and basically proceed to be haunted from minute one. Um, she's walking them through rooms and they're seeing lights. They're hearing voices. The house has a kind of um, Winchester effect in that they will turn a corner and suddenly a room that they were just in is a wall that they can't get back to. And in fact, at one point they're pulling a piece of twine behind them to kind of get back the way they came and they follow the twine right into the middle of a wall. Oh, interesting. And I'm thinking here, okay, isn't this enough proof right now? If <laughs> yeah. you were to just photograph some why? of this stuff, just like leave, you'd You're be done. able to finance every kind of uh, psychic medium type thing you wanted to do based on just the evidence you've gathered in literally walking through the house the first. Yeah, take five Polaroids and you're <laughs> right. good to go. Right. Um, so they start seeing all this crazy shit. And then this is this is night one, right? <laughs> this isn't even night one. They're, they're spending the night or a couple of nights there. And uh, they haven't even like set up where they're sleeping or anything like this. This is just the first walkthrough of the house. They're very committed. And then we hear this ominous knock on the door. And at some point, Nancy Travis has ordered pizza. Oh. So <laughs> the entire group has moved down to the main living room when this knock has happened. King has this thing, you know, he, he he's very guilty of the magical Negro trope, which he has used in... Roughly half of his books. The other half have the, um, I'm not sure what you would call this, the magically mentally disabled child who who is psychic, some kind of, and it's just this really uncomfortable thing that he leans on in several stories. It's in The Regulators, in, um, fuck, I, it's, it's in, uh, what was that shitty Dreamcatcher book? It's just, it's one of those things that is, it's kind of just tone deaf and you wonder why he keeps going back to it. You know, he did it even with uh, with an adult in uh, The Green Mile. So 
she is hooked on a couple of songs. One of them is um, Pennsylvania 6 5000. You guys know this? <laughs> and she finds an old record player in the living room and with her mind and her telekinesis <laughs> sets the record player going all the psychics are watching her and they just start smiling like, hey, yeah, we love this song too. Instead of, did you guys see what she just did? <laughs> she <No>. just psychically <laughs> crafted right. music to occur. And um, they all start dancing as Nancy Travis opens the door for the pizza delivery guy. And it is played by, any guesses? Kane Hodder. Stephen King. Stephen King. Aww. <laughs> I was I like so close. Stephen King, who... I want to give him the benefit of the doubt in Creep Show. You know, he overacts his way in that, but I think it's because Romero said, you know, bigger. I need you to go bigger on this. We're making this guy yeah. a bumpkin, right? Except I feel like he's playing maybe the same character as the pizza delivery <laughs> guy now. And, and he's just kind of. He's got one mode. Yeah, he's peering in, you know, behind them to all these people dancing to this music. And he's like, wow, you do this every night? And uh, it's just a painful, painful scene. To psychic child's music. Right, right. Meanwhile, while he's watching, the uh, the um, autistic girl and the heir to the home, they have started dancing, and she is telekinetically lifting them up. They're basically floating in air and dancing. Uh while everybody else is just dancing around them, this is. Are they all stones? No, I think they're like X Men, and they all have psychic <laughs> powers. So they're just like, well, you know, that's her particular power, apparently. <laughs> oh my god, the whole thing is so fucking ridiculous. Whoa. So, um, that's the pizza scene. The rest of the movie is uh, as shitty as that. Do they at least show them eating the pizza? No, they, they don't. just get it delivered by Stephen King. That's it. What are you gonna? No, no, no! I just, I just wanted. There's telekinetic dancing. <laughs> I think that they pop up. Oh, they do actually pop open because one of the nerdy guys is complaining about the food okay. in the house, and he's very happy because this has all the fixins. What is all the? Okay, that's a Stephen King kind of phrase. You know, the problem with his dialogue is sometimes everybody talks like they're 78 years old. You know, even the children. And just like, yeah, boy. And I, this is coming from a King fan, by the way, you guys. Massive King fan. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. What else? Is there any more pizza? No, no. That's that's the pizza scene. But I do have some, I do have some uh, trivia and, and notes on this thing. ABC. This was a massive, massive hit. Uh, 18.5 million viewers, wow. which was an 8.5 rating. I mean, you're a hit show right now if you've got a million people viewing it. Uh, it spawned a companion mockumentary to the novel tie-in, which was a diary. that They were really trying to push that the events of this house were a real thing oh. to the point which – they built a fake website for the university that Nancy Travis teaches at and had a different actor on the site and Nancy Travis would have been playing in this movie. Oh, my gosh. Um, what year did this come out again? 2002. Ah, so Blair Witch. I was going to say, they Blair Witch <laughs> right. the hell out of this. It followed in 2003 by a prequel miniseries, which was based on the tie-in novel. Do you have a flowchart? 
available for us to look at. I'm not doing my Friday the 13th bullshit on this. David Dukes died during filming. So uh, he died in Seattle here. And King had to change all of his parts on the fly. So he was writing the rewrites of it while they were shooting. It was shot at a place called Thornwood Castle in Tacoma, which is uh, really just this gorgeous castle that was kind of um, broken into rental spaces uh, like apartments. And uh, so there were people living there while they were filming some of the scenes. (laughs) But they fixed up a lot of the rooms themselves, the production did. Nice. So that they could uh, turn it into this big, beautiful place. You're welcome to coma. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, I told you that King had pitched this to Spielberg. Uh, the reason Spielberg dropped out is he wanted to, there to be more action scenes in it and kind of a family kind of vibe. And King wanted it to be more horror scenes. And so they, they split up. King then took it to frequent collaborator Mick Garris. Mick Garris, perk your ears up and let this sink in. Mick Garris turned it down. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. If you pull up the reviews, <laughs> a lot of people love this fucking movie. Really? I Have want they been paid? To, <laughs> I want to read you just one of them. All right. I'm ready. This person gave it a 10 out of 10. Nice. The name of it, or the name of the review is A Novel on Film. Someone said this was, in quotes, too long. And made the comment that longer books don't translate well to screen. However, if they knew anything about Rose Red, they would know that it was never a book. It was written directly for the screen by Stephen King. As I watched the film, I kept thinking how much it was like a novel come to life. <laughs> then I was watching the featurette The Making of Res Road on the DVD, and Stephen King, as well as the director, said it was really just a novel that was played out on screen. It is so true. <laughs> I am an avid fan of King's work, and this film was a real treat because it was just like reading one of his books. It is not, in capitals, supposed to be your typical 90-minute work. As King says, he feels like that is similar to stealing all the towels in the hotel room and then quickly packing them into your bag and sitting on it to try to force them to stay in. It is much more (laughs) character-driven and rich and takes much more attention than a regular film does. That is, in capital letters, why it was a three-part series. Oh, my God. If you're willing to put forth the effort, and I mean this as a compliment to the film, for it really is like reading a novel, then you will love it. Love. 10 out of 10 from me. Susan Ling. <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10. Must see. Hero worshiper. Wow. Yeah, so... It has its fans. I mean, 81% from the audience on the tomatoes. Fans are just people who love Stephen King. It's like fans of something who refuse to admit they're ever wrong. Well, okay, so I belong to a Stephen King page on Facebook, and the general consensus is the books are great and the movies are shit. (laughs) They're the shining exception. The exceptions, like Salem's... No, that's a shit it's movie. It's so that's good. such a terrible film. So yeah, but it's not good because it's good. It. It's really good. <laughs> I saw it like last year. It sucks. It's not last year, too. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, Troll 2 stands up well next to Maximum Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive. Wait a second. So I like Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, but it's a terrible movie. I've never been so scared it's a lot of, of a vending machine. H- honey, this ATM just called me an asshole. <laughs> Killed by Coke. 
<laughs> that is a freaky scene. I would be terrified. Anyway, hey, the machine's we're not talking anyway, about maximum. Yeah. Okay, so what are we talking about again? <laughs> I'm sorry, I lost the track. Yes, there are a number of good Stephen King adaptations. Yeah. Um, generally, I would say his TV stuff is not yeah. very well done. I think mm. the Salem's Lot is really good. Yeah, and that's about it. That's about it. Yeah. Langley years. Yeah, how, how well years. did that go last time for you? I still haven't finished it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get there. The one that kind of floored me with how bad it was was Bag of Bones because the yeah. source is so the good. The book is great, yeah. And the the casting seemed good, but wow, that movie does not work. Have you guys seen Salem's Lot 2? That's on my soon-to-see list. You mean Return, uh, Return to Salem's Lot? Lot? I do. I do mean Return. You let me know what you think of that. You got it. Peter DeLuise, I do remember that part. Not Don DeLuise. Not Don DeLuise. Got it. All right. Peter DeLuise. Got it. All righty. Well, okay. So I think that wraps up all of our pizza stuff, right? Are we all satisfied that we have spoken enough pizza? Yes. I just only wish we were eating a pizza right now. God, me too. I've been on this shitty diet. Oh, pizza sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, pizza will. That means. Straight and Supreme, huh? Like uh, Pizza at Supreme? Supreme pizza. (laughs) <laughs> that means it's Eric's pick for the yeah, next subject. Eric. That's right. So we're going to go with what could be classic, could be modern, black and white films. Ooh. Specifically genre films, of course. You know, let's not have Casablanca or something like that. <laughs> let's go with nice uh, horror, sci-fi. sci-fi. Horror, yeah. Okay. All right. I can dig. I can dig. Are there any that are a no-go? We talked, um, if you wanted to be clever... Black and or the uh, Chrome edition of Fury Road is Fury out because we talked yeah. that a while and ago. Logan, I'm Ed guessing Wood. we haven't talked Logan, so if that's what you wanted to go with, I suppose you could. <laughs> There's a black and white version of yeah. Logan, I didn't see it, but okay, I could now. Okay, so that's uh, that's the pick for next week, you guys. Thank you so much for all of the kind words and the reviews and everything. Keep those five yeah. star reviews coming for Eric. He's got Send some, me some uh, more. Yeah, I got a couple more to go. Got and some then... interesting films on there. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we will see you all next week for black and white films. Bye. Bye. Our show is recorded somewhere high above Naval Station Everett at the nexus of all realities and is engineered and produced by Eric Margaret. Our theme music is Strange Eons Part 1 by the band Nightshade and is used with permission. Find Strange Eons Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and wherever fine podcasts are found.